Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bellotti. I hope you guys are all doing well in your corners of the world. I am very tired today. I've been running all around today from meeting to meeting, getting all these things done on my to-do list this week. I had a horrible night's sleep last night too. I was just like so anxious going to bed last night. And then I got even more anxious realizing how many hours of sleep I was going to get. Do you ever do that when you're like in bed struggling to fall asleep and you look at your phone, you're like, oh my God, now I can only get five and a half hours of sleep or like you calculate in your head how many hours of sleep you're going to get and it stresses you out more so you really can't fall asleep. Like that is what was going on in my head last night. But I woke up this morning not feeling super tired, thank goodness. I feel like it usually hits me the next day when I have a really horrible night's sleep. For some reason, I don't know why, but anyway, I eventually dozed off, woke up, did it all, worked out, went to several meetings today, stopped in, grabbed a birthday gift for a friend. You know, it's just like one of those like boom, 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 lots of things going on day. And I'm recording two podcasts today. I'm recording this podcast and Match Made in Manhattan, my other podcast later tonight. So big recording day, lots to say, lots to do. Um, But we're here now and I'm gearing up actually to leave on a trip next week. I'm going to East Hampton for two and a half weeks, a little over, actually no, like two and a half is kind of fair to say. It's like a little over two weeks, like two weeks and like three days or something like that. I'm going to the Hamptons. This is actually my first summer where I've had a house for longer than a weekend, which is so cool. But also I didn't realize just how expensive it is. I'm like, I'll let you guys know after if it was worth the money and the hype. Um, But I'm very excited because I've always had a great time when I've gone out there on brand trips and I did one Southampton weekend last Memorial Day, so I'll let you guys know how it goes. I'm so excited because I'm actually – we're splitting the house. It's me, Brooke, and Danielle, the gals on the go. So I'm like the third gal on the go for two and a half weeks. I'm so thrilled. We are going to have a really great time together. We have so many plans. We've already made so many like reservations and things, and I'm so excited to experience it and give a full review afterwards of my thoughts. So – Stay tuned for that. I'll do a whole rundown. But that being said, I'll be recording in our house for the next two weeks. So I'll have a lot of fun things to share in the coming weeks on the pod. So get excited. But back to the present. Let's talk about the now. It is July 6th as I record this. You'll be hearing it July 7th or whenever you decide to push play on the pod. I just got back from July 4th weekend at home. I was with my parents and my sister. And I'm tired this week because even though I had a pretty relaxed July 4th and I actually got back on Monday, Monday morning, which is like the actual holiday, I decided to book at home. I wasn't extremely interested in celebrating July 4th this year. I feel like there's been so much going on. It just like didn't feel... It just didn't feel as fun this year. I mean, for very many reasons. Um, it's That's definitely a whole other tale for another time. But I just booked it home, was ready to be home to organize, clean, do all that. I didn't even watch the fireworks on July 4th, which I actually have like kind of a standing record of not doing so. Like the past few years, I've really made an effort to come home on that day because I always know I have like a huge Tuesday. I had to get a filling on Tuesday of this week. I had to do so many things to get back in the swing before I go on my trip. So I've really been trying to do that. But being home was so precious. I just have to say, you know, if you have a good relationship with your family, I just really encourage you to spend as much time with them as you can, even though there's so many other fun things going on and like maybe your friends are doing things. And like, obviously, you should say yes to those opportunities too. But being home with my parents and just looking at them, like I'm such a sap. I look at them and I think, 
I need to spend as much time with you as I possibly can while I can because hearing them talk about their parents, well, my mom lost both her dad and her mom. Her mom, like my grandma, I actually got to know a little bit. Like she passed away when I was 11 or 12, I think. So like my younger self got to know her, but her dad, my grandfather, I I never knew because he passed before I was born. And same with my dad's dad also passed before I was born. And like the way that they talk about their parents and how they wish that they were here still. My grandma, my dad's side still with us, but she spends most of her time in Florida. So we don't really see her very much. It just made me think about how like they're I don't even want to say it, but there will be a time when they're not here. And so I want to just glean everything I possibly can from them, hear every story I possibly can about their lives and just see in the flesh how much they love each other. My parents are, I've talked about this before, have the most epic love story. They are just, they're such a team, which I think I've realized love isn't just the intimacy of it or like the I'm obsessed with you sort of thing. It's also like we are on a team together. We go through life together and make decisions tough and easy together. And my parents just got this new boat. My dad was so excited about it, like so giddy. Seeing my dad excited about something is just the best. And with a boat, there's all these different things. It's not just like a walk in the park having a boat. Obviously, a lot of things, it's not a walk in the park, but there's a lot that goes on with it, just trying to preserve it and make sure it stays intact and you're safe. And so my dad is one of those people that gets very stressed and like can't keep it inside. He does not even like apologize for it. Also, though, he is very aware that he's not very calm, cool, collected kind of person. He's very OCD and needs everything to be done a certain way and but has never been like mean or cruel to anyone over it like won't take it out on other people but like he carries a lot of stress with him I tell him I'm like you need to see a therapist because just to like talk through this like he carries his stress and it's all over his face which I realized as I was home that I do the same exact thing I am the same exact way when I get stressed or I'm hungry there's certain triggers for me when something is scary to me. If I'm scared or frustrated, I have a very hard time talking myself down in the moment. Later on, I'm able to look back and be like, okay, I was being a little bit dramatic there. Next time I won't do it this way or whatever. I'll course correct. But I noticed with my dad, the way that he handles his stress is the same way that I handle mine, which was a very big realization for me. I mean, obviously they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but it's so true. The way they are is like my dad has all this stress. My mom is so relaxed, so like we're going to get through this. We're going to figure it out, which I also feel like I am. I'm kind of this opposite energy sort of person sometimes where I can be so, so, so stressed, obviously in those situations that impact me. But when someone else is getting really stressed over something, I'm good at talking them through it and easing it. So I'm almost kind of a good combination, but I guess it always is easier to tell someone else how to handle their stress than how to handle your own, which is true. I will admit that. But seeing them together and just acting as a team was just the cutest, cutest thing and seeing how they make compromises with each other. If one wants to do one thing and one wants to do the other, they don't fight over it. They just, they already kind of know what the other person wants to do. It's just a beautiful thing. And whenever I'm home, I I see it and I want that so badly for myself. And my sister and I, we were both together just talking about how it's so hard for us in this life to find a partner because of how our parents are and how great their relationship is. 
obviously we're so lucky. It's a blessing, but like to grow up with love in your home like that is a blessing, but it also is a curse because you feel that it's your life's mission to find exactly what your parents have in some cases. And that is me to a T. So it was great to see. Really great being home. It was a pretty chill weekend. I'm going to discuss some other things that happened this weekend over on my other podcast, Match Me to Manhattan, because um, I did meet someone. But that will be saved for Friday's episode. So listen to that. I don't want to drone on too, too much in this episode about my weekend because I'm going to discuss it there. But it was really cute being home. Now that I'm back, I'm tired. I feel like we all are just really having a hard go of it this week, getting back into the swing of our lives. Some of us might even be a little bit anxious, a little bit hungover anxious and dehydrated. I personally, I didn't drink a whole lot this weekend. I did go out one day with my friends in Baltimore, which I've never done before. Um, so I did kind of get a little overserved that night, but overall it was pretty good. So, but I've been chugging water nonetheless because I learned from someone, I saw some Instagram person talk about this, or maybe it was a TikTok. I don't even freaking know anymore where I see things, but obviously this is such an obvious thing. If you're dehydrated, your brain sends out stress signals to your body. And if you're stressed and dehydrated, it's just going to amplify the stress because your body is stressed because you're not getting the hydration that you need. So I've been chugging water and that's been really helping me this week. But also I've just been, I've been, you know, letting my mind wander, trying to convince myself it isn't the end of the world. There's so much out there to still dream about and look forward to. And it's not as serious as I make it out to be half the time because I tend to overthink every single thing in my life. So if you're feeling this way, keep listening. Because I have actually, I have not one, but I have two stories to share with you guys today. One that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying about my parents having a, a really great relationship of commitment. It's a story that honestly I saw on, on Reddit. It was the first thing that I saw when I opened Reddit and I saw it as a sign to share because it's the cutest little story I've ever heard. So I'm going to share that, but also something a bit harder hitting, something that actually will leave you flabbergasted. It's a story from history about a woman who cheated death not once, but twice in a single day. In like the span of 30 minutes, she cheated death twice and went on to have three kids and seven grandchildren. So we're going to talk about her today. We're going to talk about this cute little story. You're going to die. And we're just going to have a great old time while we do it. I hope you guys are feeling at ease right now, listening to this, maybe walking somewhere or just, I don't know, chilling on the couch with a tea or something or a glass of wine. Okay, so I'm going to get into the first story from Reddit that is just going to make your heart sore. So it's from the forum or the, the thread. I never know what it's called, called True Off My Chest, and it's from a user named Mohennis1. And the title is, my girlfriend kicks me off my Spotify account every morning. I couldn't be happier. And I read this title and I thought, are you kidding me? Your girlfriend kicks you off your Spotify and you couldn't be happier about this? Like, okay, I have to read more. So let's read it. My girlfriend and I live together. My day starts off much sooner than hers does. I'm usually in the office by 6.30 a.m., which is about when she starts waking up. I'm one of the first people in the office, so I always put my headphones in and listen to music as I start my day. I get in about 15 minutes of music before it stops and I get the notification that the output device has been changed. This is because we have a Google Home that's hooked up to my Spotify account. When my girlfriend wakes up, she starts her day with, hey Google, play this. So she has music when she's getting ready. 
I always just leave my phone open to see what she's listening to, and when she heads out around 7.30, I get my account back. I'm sure that she has no idea that she's participating in this little routine, and I have no intentions of telling her. Sure, it'd be easy to swap it out to her account, but I love to know that she's awake and starting her day listening to her favorite songs. Another benefit of this is that I know what her current favorite songs are, so when we get in the car together or we're just sitting around, I know what songs will spark joy. Some days I think she's on to me. We're both very happy together, and I plan on proposing here in a few weeks. I'm excited to spend the rest of my life with her. Okay. Oh, so many feels from this. Like, thank you to this man for posting this this thing because it it really just like it it really sparked joy in me reading this that someone out there is experiencing this kind of love and is doing this thing, this selfless thing of letting his girlfriend have the music and not only just like letting her have her time playing her pump up jams in the morning, but also taking note of what she's listening to. And playing it when you're together because you know she likes it. Like, the bar is so low. I mean, okay, this isn't like a low thing. But the fact that I've accepted such low things in the past of like, he remembered that I like this song. But this is love. Like, he is taking his morning of silence while he observes what she's listening to. Like, this just reminded me that true love exists. And I feel like this is actually something my parents would do. Though I do feel like my dad would let my mom know that he does this at some point and she'd be like, oh, that's cute and like keep doing it. And he would just like put up with it. But honestly, so precious. I want to hear your guys's thoughts on this. Let me know in my DMs what you would do if you were in this situation. I feel like for me, I love my music. I need my music. I feel like I would suggest we get a joint Spotify account. But I would really hope if someone or I would love if someone did this to me, like took note of this or at least just checked on my playlist every once in a while because my playlists are all, I have a lot of them on Spotify and would just be like, oh, she loves this song. Let me play this when we're together. Like that's like the bare minimum. That's what I would like. Anyway, so cute story. Number one, I wanted to share, give a little dose of love is still out there. Love still exists. Before we move into a bit of a heavier story, which like I said earlier, is about a woman who cheated death back in 1945, not once, but twice. A very interesting story ends on a positive note, but it is a bit of a heavier story, which I'm telling you guys, you're not going to believe this. It's just, it's crazy. So I do want to say before I get into this one, though, if you have any triggers along the lines of 9-11, buildings being destroyed, things like that. You might not want to listen to this episode, so just an FYI. Also, I'll have all the sources to where I found this information linked in the show notes, so check it out. Anyways, let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk about a woman named Betty Lou Oliver, her workday from hell, and how she cheated death not once but twice. It was a foggy July day in 1945, and Betty was arriving to the Empire State Building where she worked as an elevator attendant. It was so foggy that day that she couldn't even see the top of the building as she arrived to work. Betty was likely feeling a bunch of different emotions when she got to work that day as this was actually her last day on the job or like one of her last days. It's unclear why she decided to quit her job, maybe because her husband had returned from where he was working as a sailor overseas. But this was, by some accounts, her last day, July 28th, 1945. And putting myself in Betty's shoes, I remember clear as day, 
it's been like three years now. I still remember clear as day when I quit my job at L'Oreal the last day because I put in my two weeks and the last day arrived and it was so bittersweet, so many emotions. Like I was very excited about the next chapter, but also nervous about leaving. And I felt like I was maybe putting people out, like, you know, putting people in a tough position because they had to pick up my slack and all that. So I know how she was feeling then. Just a a mix of emotions. But anyway, it was appearing to be just another day on the job for 20-year-old Betty Lou working as an elevator attendant in the final months of World War II. And that totally just rhymed. I didn't mean for it to. So as Betty arrived to her post, states away in Massachusetts, a B-25 service bomber, so a plane, was embarking on a basic mission which involved bringing servicemen from Massachusetts to LaGuardia Airport in New York City. The pilot flying the service bomber was the extremely experienced Captain William Smith, who had actually led some of the war's most dangerous missions. Like I said earlier, it was a foggy day, which many planes today refuse to fly in if it's too foggy, you know, like delays for weather and all that. But by the time that Captain Smith had arrived in New York, the fog had significantly reduced visibility. Conditions were dangerous. Captain Smith, as he approached LaGuardia, called and requested permission to land. He was advised not to land, a few sources I found said, or at least was given exact instructions on how to safely maneuver the plane given the fog. But according to the writer of a book called The Sky is Falling by Arthur Weingarten, Captain Smith ignored the order and instead made a turn that brought him over Midtown Manhattan, which is where the Empire State Building is, if you're not from here. He made a serious wrong turn. Rather than turning left after the Chrysler building like he should have, Smith turned right and was now directly among the city's skyscrapers. The fog had likely disoriented him, sending him straight for the Empire State Building. At the time, the Empire State Building was the tallest in the world, and Captain Smith crashed between the 78th and 80th floors. The plane's fuel exploded, filling the interior of the building with flames all the way down to the 75th floor. One engine from the plane actually went straight through the building and landed in a penthouse apartment across the street. From the reports I read, Captain Smith and his two crew members on board passed away instantly, while 11 people in the building would eventually pass away from this, which is absolutely tragic. So, so tragic. Inside the building, I can't even imagine what the chaos was like. According to a woman named Therese Fortier Willig, who worked on the 79th floor, she could see nothing but flames when she looked around her. She watched a man near her catch on fire. Therese was so sure that she wouldn't survive that she actually took the rings off of her fingers and threw them out the window, which just gives me chills. Meanwhile, on the 56th floor, Gloria Paul said it felt as if the building was about to topple over. Despite being over 20 floors from the initial impact site, the blow from the plane smashing into the building was strong enough to throw Gloria across the room. Luckily, firemen arrived on scene and rescued Therese, Gloria, and all of the other survivors, which I believe on that day, there was about 1,500 people in the building at the time. And one important detail that lends to the next part of the story, when the plane crashed, parts of the engine were thrust into the building, which weakened the cables of a pair of elevators on the 79th floor. 
So back to our friend Betty Lou, she was working on the 80th floor elevator bank when the plane hit. When the plane hit, she was thrown out of the elevator and sustained severe burns, a broken pelvis, back and neck, so many horrible injuries. Uh, But it was clear that Betty would survive. So first aid workers helped her into the elevator, which would take her down to the ground floor to get further medical attention at a hospital so they could focus on people that had it a bit worse. But remember, I just mentioned a few moments ago that the engine parts, when they were thrown into the building, weakened those cables on the 79th floor. So the first aid rescuers, thinking they were saving her, had placed Betty on a stretcher, put her into the elevator on the 79th floor, but they just did not know. How would they know that the cables were weak? So as soon as they placed her in the elevator, the cables snapped under her weight and just the fact that they were weakened. So Betty plunged down towards the bottom of the elevator shaft at an alarming speed. I can't even imagine, guys, like this gives me full body chills, what was flashing before her in these moments. Like, did it feel like her descent lasted years? Those moments when she hurtled downward, severely injured, thinking through all of her memories, like all the things she's ever seen in life, all the people she's loved. Like it was her last day on the job and this happens. Like she's just 20 years old. She was married, but didn't have a chance to have children yet or really find her true passion in life aside from working as an elevator girl. So the elevator shot down 75 stories, which is about 1,000 feet. But the cables, those things that were weakened by the blast, were actually the things that would save her. The 1,000 or so feet of elevator cable fell to the bottom of the shaft and kind of laid there in a coil before Betty landed. So it was there to provide a soft landing of sorts for her. I mean, I can't imagine it was like super soft of a landing. Like it definitely injured her further. But the rapid compression of air as she soared down also added to the cushion that caught her fall. I found a newspaper clipping from the time that quoted Betty Lou. She said that it felt as though the car were leaving me. I was going down so fast that I just had to hang on to the sides of the elevator to keep from floating. Talk about a miracle. Today, Betty Lou Oliver is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest survived elevator fall, a record she still holds today. But back to 1945. So it took Betty eight months to recover from her injuries, from the flames, from the elevator descent. But guys, this next part is crazy. Five months into her recovery, Betty agreed to get back into the elevator at the building, which I suppose had been repaired after five months and went back to the scene where it all happened with an elevator inspector. Like she went back to the thing that almost killed her, to the place that almost killed her. Like talk about staring death in the face and saying, ha, next time, like not today, not today, Satan. So after her recovery, Betty returned to Fort Smith in Arizona to live with her husband, Oscar Lee, who came back from overseas. She went on to have three children with her husband and seven grandchildren. Her husband died in 1986. And according to her obituary, Betty died in Fort Smith, Arizona on November 24th, 1999. She was 74 years old. And I can't imagine the trauma that stayed with her, but it's just so crazy that she was able to get back into an elevator after that. Like, I don't think I would be able to personally, but... Anyway, so the Empire State Building B-25 crash is what the event was called. It was a tragic event. It took the lives of 11 people in the building, injured 26, plus the two crew members and the captain. But it would have been so much worse, the sources I found said, if the firemen hadn't acted so quickly. Even in 1945, they got the fire controlled after 40 minutes 
also because it was a Saturday, only about 1,500 people were in the building at the time. Despite the crash and the fire and the loss of life and the 18 by 20 foot hole that was made in the side of the building where the plane hit, it was apparently open for business on numerous floors on Monday morning after the Saturday, like which is just so crazy. It's kind of shocking, but also like at the same time, the least shocking detail of all, just because I know the work ethic of New Yorkers, even just given this tragic event, they're back to work. Like, it's just kind of a little bit insane that people were back to work after that. It's bonkers. They were able to just like go back into the building, but it was mainly because the Empire State Building, it actually did not suffer any structural damage from this, which is really interesting. It didn't collapse even given the extreme blow. And I actually, a few months ago, I was able to go up into the Empire State Building for the first time. I've always just kind of seen it, thought it was majestic and beautiful and great, but I never got to go inside of it. And I just like haven't over the past four years of living in New York. So I actually got to go up into it and I actually, I opted in for the history tour. Obviously, they gave you options. You could just go straight up and go sightsee and see the sights, like see the the heights and like look around. But I opted in and forced my friends to do the history tour. So I got to learn about how it was built and how like structurally sound it actually is, like a very well-built building, which is, it was very interesting to see. If you guys ever visit, definitely go to the Empire State Building, learn the history. It's very cool. But anyway, Betty Lou survived. She cheated death not once, but twice. And imagine the story Betty Lou got to tell her kids. Like if any of them ever complained about anything, like a bad day at work or at school, she'd be like, well, guys, I once went to work and then almost died twice in a day. Like it's crazy. I mean, how much she could probably, all the stories she could tell, all the stuff she could say. I was trying to find this if she ever came back to the city. I don't think she ever lived in the city again. But Wow, talk about a miracle. Like that was she wasn't supposed to survive either part of it. Like the severe burns, the broken pelvis, the broken everything and then falling from that height. Like I really want to talk to her and ask her what she saw as she was plunging down. I don't want to scare anyone who ever rides in an elevator again. Obviously, the reason that the elevator was malfunctioning was because of the plane hit, but It's just crazy. When I heard this story, I'm like, this woman survived it all, went on to have three kids and seven grandchildren, lived into her 70s, and she started out as a 20-year-old elevator girl just on her last day of work and went through all this and still lived to tell the tale and was so brave and getting back into the elevator after this happened. Like That is just so crazy to me. Betty Lou Oliver, I'd never heard of her. Um, I believe the reason why this story wasn't highly publicized at the time was because the bombing of Hiroshima happened like the week after. So I think that that was obviously a bit bigger in the news at the time than this event, which did claim lives and was tragic. But it is just so all these little elements of the story just are flooring me. So it's definitely an interesting one. I wanted Betty Lou Oliver's name to be known. She's literally in the Guinness Book of World Records, which actually made me think about how, like, I want to get my hands on that book. Is it a book? Is it like an actual book or just a website now in the digital age of things? But I want to get my hands on that whole shebang and read through it and find out more stories of people with remarkable stories in their own lives. Like, it's so interesting. I always think I'm like, is there anything that I can do that would give me the Guinness Book of World Record record. Like, I don't think so. I don't think anything that I've done thus far is a record, but 
Like, have I ever, I'm just trying to think, have I ever won anything? Like, have I ever won a contest for something? I, I just can't even tell you. Like, I've never gotten anything from a scratch off. Like, maybe I should uh, take some more risks with that and try to win something one of these days. But I feel like in uh, your adult life, it's kind of hard for you to come across opportunities to win things. I feel like back in the day when we were in elementary, middle school, it was huge to be like, enter this contest and enter to win But I guess, okay, now, I mean, in a smaller scale, you can like win Instagram giveaways, I guess. And I've always seen my friends tagging me in these things, but I just have zero faith that I'll win. I think I just have a lack of faith in myself that I'm a winner. So I don't think that I will win any giveaway of sorts or any record contest. But I think I need to be less down on myself and think about how great I am sometimes. You know, it's kind of hard to do that. But anyway, that was the story of Betty Lou and her crazy descent and survival and also that cute story from Reddit that just makes you think, like, would I give up my Spotify for someone just to learn their favorite songs and then propose to them? So just a lot of food for thought for you guys. A little bit, uh, two totally polar opposite stories. That's what we like to do on this podcast. Just really switch gears quick. Like I really did not even have a cute segue to that. But if you're having a bad day, just think about Betty Lou. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm also going to stop rhyming my sentences. I actually, I mean, is it a bad thing to rhyme? No, but it sounds like I have it written down like word for word. But I promise that just came out. I have a knack for rhyming things. I don't know. Um, Maybe I could be a copywriter one of these days or a songwriter. I actually, so totally unrelated, but related to the copywriting and to the words of it all, like just the way people write sentences. I always get so jealous of people who just write really beautiful sentences, like in their Instagram captions or wherever. And I was at one of my client's offices today and we were reading through some stuff that a copywriter, like we hired a copywriter to write some copy for like dress and shirt and skirt descriptions and like just clothing. And it's crazy how you give someone a a pretty basic outfit and a really, really talented copywriter can make it sound so much more magical than it is. Like that is someone I really admire, a copywriter. So if you're a copywriter, this episode goes out to you because I really admire your work and your job. Because for me, words are very hard. I've always really struggled with coming up with captions. And I'm good at speaking, I guess, or storytelling, but I'm not very great at writing down in a sentence, like a beautiful sentence of well-placed adjectives and adverbs and all of that. Like it's never been my strong suit. So anyway, um, final parting remark. Thank you to copywriters for making words beautiful. And I am going to sign off as it really gets chaotic outside with traffic. So thanks for listening, everyone. Definitely tune in tomorrow on Friday morning to my episode of Match Made in Manhattan, my other podcast. It's coming out with my friends Adam and Colby. We're also going to bring the microphones with us to the Hamptons. We're going to record some stuff while we're out there. I'm also going to record some fresh episodes of Thick and Thin dropping every Thursday, as you guys know. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you all are doing well and we'll get a little bit less tired as the week goes on. It is a short week, which we love. So cheers to that. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.